listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Hi, Jane, and hi to all your amazing listeners. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show today. So for those people who don't know who Tiffany is, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about why you're here in Japan, who you are, what you do and who you help? Okay. So first and foremost, before I say anything, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I've been listening to your podcast episodes and it's been really helpful. And thank you for sharing this amazing voices from different people, different people's stories. And I'm really honored to be here and to be able to share my story as well. So really grateful. I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I am a transgender woman of experience. I am living here in Japan for about more than 25 years. I'm originally from the Philippines. I was born and raised in Manila. I came here in Japan during my college and the reason why I came to Japan is because Mm. my mom married to Japanese right and my Japanese dad which is my stepfather um, they've been together for ever since Mm. and that's the reason why I came here to to live and try and be with them Mm. but the original plan is I was really I, I, I would love to go to America that was my plan my American dream <laughs> uh, and then like I was just making a way to probably stay in Japan for a few years or a year or so and then move to America because I think it's easier for Filipinos if you have a Philippine passport to to go to America back in the days if you don't have any connections in America it's so difficult for, mm. for Filipinos to go there so unless you have a relatives and all that but mm. so I thought like coming to Japan first and then having that you know like approval that I live in Japan for a few years and I can move to America. I'm glad I didn't go to America. <laughs> and I stayed I and I realized after visiting America a few times that I was safer and my life here in Japan is is more I mean like the opportunities that I that I've had here I probably couldn't get it in America. So mm. I traveled in America quite often. But I chose to stay in Japan in 25 years. Here you are. <laughs> yes. So you're my senpai. I've only been here for 20 years. Okay. That's um, yeah. <laughs> so five years, my senpai. And I actually arrived in the middle of August mm. 20 years ago from the winter in New Zealand. And I was most horrified to discover that it was very hot, very humid. I'd never experienced this kind mm-hmm. of heat before. And actually, even after 20 years, I still 
cannot handle the heat in Japan. I'm wondering if I'm ever going to get used to it. Probably never. I think my DNA just refuses to get used to the hot weather in Japan. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm sure coming from the Philippines, it wasn't so much of a challenge for the heat. Potentially the cold was what? Not at all. But of course, cold, we don't have winter in, in the Philippines. But at the beginning, of course, of my stay in Japan was, it was, it was, it was rather more of like, oh, like, um, I was just awed with like the snow <laughs> and then like the, the winter. And then when you, you know, when you watch the movies and the films, when you see like people like have their breath, like what do you call that? Like the, the steam just, coming out of yeah, their, their breath, the right? Just, that yeah, was like, fog for me, breath, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd yeah, never exactly. had that before. And that was exciting. No. <laughs> I, was, really? I was just in, I was like, wow, like coming out of my mouth during winter time in Japan. We don't have that in the Philippines at all. Of course, right. Yes, yeah. yes. And that was a real novelty for you coming to Japan was to have blowing steam like that, right? Exactly. Oh, funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when the snow, like when the first time I saw the snow, I was just like, wow. Like, it, you know, like because we never have snow in the Philippines. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. For me, that was more the, um, yeah. Okay. This is snow. I know what that is <laughs> yeah we have snow in New Zealand but I've heard hmm. but I've heard in New Zealand you guys like have so much nature and amazing nature mm-hmm. all around right um yes particularly where I'm from and very beautiful mm. nature like there's nothing making it look ugly which you can kind of have sometimes in Japan you know how you know even nature sometimes has like rundown things or power lines everywhere or ugly signs or something we don't have that in New Zealand. So I do remember actually coming on the train when I arrived in Narita airport for the first time, coming in on the train from Narita to Tokyo and looking out the window at the the nature kind of like the countryside between Narita and uh, getting to Ueno Station and just sort of going, oh my God, this country is really ugly. Just coming from being surrounded by complete beautiful nature. I had not visited any of the the beautiful places, right, the, um, that there are in Japan. And here in Fukushima, there are a lot of beautiful mountains and things too. But that was really shocking to me. It was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get used to it for a long time. Yeah. But by the way, where, where, where are you located in Fukushima? So I live near, I live near the sea. So on the coast of Fukushima, not oh. in the mountains. So people know the mountains of Fukushima and, you know, for skiing. And if you come on the Shinkansen, you will come to the center of Fukushima. But I live on the coast. So in the Iwaki city. And uh, Oh, Iwaki. We... I, have, yeah, I, have yeah, a, yeah. I have one of my uh, former co-worker and became a friend. Uh, she lives there, Iwaki city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I live. Mm-hmm. It's very nice mm-hmm. here. Not so hot as Tokyo not so cold as other places in Fukushima, not so snowy. Perfect little place to live, actually, for a New Zealander like me. So, yeah, I'm glad I accidentally ended up here. But anyway, you ended up in Japan 25 years ago. You found you were felt safe here as a transgender yes. woman. Eventually, you became a transgender woman while you were here. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. And then yes. you felt safer here and you decided that you were going to live your life in Japan. It's not just a stop-off place, or, or did that just kind of happen? Like, I never really thought about I'm gonna stay here. Like from right. then, mm-hmm. I just realized because living in the Philippines, I was bullied all the time, right. and it was it was it was so normal to be bullied by people being different mm-hmm. that you, you just get used to it, and you just like oh whatever you know, mm-hmm. um, and then moving to Japan and 
realizing that the trans women or uh, or the gay uh, back then there was not there was there wasn't LGBT community yet right it was more of a transgender or gay a lot of the gay communities in Japan and also transgender women community where I was belong they were really praised and being amazed by all these Japanese you know people that you know sure. oh you guys I look beautiful and this and that you know and I was in that world for many years and then traveling to America realized because I've, I've encountered a few um, situations hmm. that was really scary so I thought like living in Japan was a safe space for me right that's very interesting and I think people from outside looking into Japan wouldn't believe you if you said that right especially yes. we've just had um, a ruling from the courts that uh, same-sex marriage is still illegal and you know not going to be recognized and all of that but actually as a transgender woman you feel safe living in this country than you would in another country potentially mm. oh yes absolutely I, I couldn't uh, um yeah like it's it's just um I just realized it later on that I was really um lucky and fortunate to be here and mm. not even thinking about going to a bathroom it will be my problem. It wasn't even that. Mm. And um, walking around by yourself. I mean, of course, not just me. I mean, for women, like walking yeah. around midnight, mm. whatever, like it's totally safe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So originally you were part of this community of transgender women. And it was I heard about this from another podcast that you were working yes. in show pubs, right? Is it? Yes. I yeah. Do. What was I that did. like? Oh, whew. that was the longest career that I've had and um, it was a lot of learning and I thought that was the only career that I can have okay Um, because I was when I came here I was still in second year college when I stopped in the Philippines and moved here in Japan Mm -hmm. and then my mom told me either you go you know you go to you you want to do part-time job or you can still like work in a company or (laughs) not even not even convenient because factory or um, something Factory, yes, factory. Right. Because back then, all the Filipinos worked for factories. Okay. And um, so my mom was telling me, either you go to um, a factory as a worker or you study. But then I, I thought, like in Japan, it can probably be difficult for me to understand the language too, knowing that moving here, not many people sp- spoke English. Mm-hmm. So I thought, like maybe going to school can be very difficult for me, mm-hmm. especially it's college, right? So I, I told my mom, I'm just going to go for a part-time job. And I found out that I, I can earn money. And that's what was the first time I was working because I never worked in the Philippines. I never did a part-time job when I was in the Philippines. And learning that I can, you know, have that money. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is nice. But then working for, I think, about a year in a factory, I also knew back before I came to Japan that a lot of trans women work in Japan but I just don't know the accent I don't don't know where are they and um, my mom was a part of the Philippine community they're like you know Filipinos are like communities you know yeah yeah. everyone knows everyone right so I asked her if she knows where are the trans women works she doesn't know she doesn't know she told me she doesn't know but like her friends might know Mm -hmm. but she wasn't really she doesn't want to support me. She, she was telling me that, oh, if you're going to do that, then you're going to change and what? Like, you know, like she's not agreeing to 
the, the transformation that I'm going to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just told her, no, I just want to see. I just want to look. I just want to look and, you know, check out what they're doing here, you know. And then she asked her friend. And then we went to this one of the Philip, all Filipino trans women show pub. And back then there were so many show pubs. I didn't even knew, you know, like, and mm. then like this one place that we went. I was just amazed by all the women, the trans women, because they were all gorgeous. They were all beautiful. Mm. And I was like, this is the world I want to be. <laughs> to <Right>. be like <laughs> I was telling her. And then the women, the, the trans women we were at, like we we're chatting, we we're all that. And then they're convincing my mom to, you know, to make me a part of the community. And, and that's how it all started. Right. So you had their help and their support to yes. get started when you found them, like you had to find them first. That was a bit, yes, you couldn't yes. just, it wasn't like there was a Facebook group back then, right? That you could join no. or, <laughs> Not or an Instagram that. channel you could find or YouTube yeah. or anything like that. Right. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. more of like, you have to know people yeah, right? Right. to get to the access to those mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, what I love about the Philippine community is when someone's new, they really help you out. They really, you know, teach you, mm-hmm. they let you know like what to do and where to find, you know, where to start. So I, I've never even done my uh, hormone therapies. So they told me like, oh, this is place that we can go in Asakusa to get ter- wow. hormone therapies and all mm-hmm. that because not many places do it back then in Japan. Mm-hmm. Now you can have access to everyone getting hormone therapies. But back then it was only just one access that everyone knows that goes every weekend when they're off. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So you were working on a show for, for quite a few years. And then what happened next? So I was in a show for quite a long time. Like it was probably more than 10 years. I I I work with different places. Mm-hmm. I, I started working with the Filipino, all Filipino trans women community. And then I realized there's also Japanese trans women community. Okay. So I, I tried auditioning. We call it audition. It's not even audition. It's like, just, you know, like <laughs> right. uh, mensetsu. Mensetsu audition. Interview, right? right? An interview. interview. <laughs> you interviewed for a position at a different yeah. job, right? And it's so, and I, I want to share this because back then when you go for like mensetsu, like the interview, the first thing they will ask you is like, so what's your um, physical condition? Like, you know, if you're, if you've done the SRS, which is the, you know, the complete surgery or right. are you just doing ter- hormone therapy? And that's okay. how they base your salary. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you're fully, if you're full up, like you have your breast implant. You transition you, fully. You transition through. fully. You get higher um, salary. salary. Oh, wow. <laughs> interesting. Mm. It's very interesting. Yeah. And mm. I, because I haven't fully transitioned yet The when I was, what, and when I was, of course, yeah. I was just starting, right? A few years. And then I was trying different um, pubs and clubs and then I got rejected from some of the few famous trans women club because I wasn't fully um, you know transitioned yet right so they only allowed trans women who is fully transitioned okay yeah so was that um, for their clientele like to say to their clientele or was there was there some kind of I don't know like that's a good tears, question <laughs> like behind very it good. That's a like, very I would have question. thought it was the beauty that would determine your salary or your skill as a dancer or a singer or whatever, mm. you know. Mm. Exactly, right? I thought that was just, it was also the skill, not even the skill. I think 
they um because it's very underground back mm-hmm. then back in the days um some of the girls especially the full up op- like the full up op- mm. operated um trans women they would do like kind of a close to naked shows right. and they would show their body so mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of japanese customers wants to see that you know right. like you can mm-hmm. see you can see fully naked but like you know like in silhouette and all that you know so mm-hmm. And that's how they base the salary. Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very um, underground community. Um, it was hmm. never, there are a few um, trans women show pubs in, in Tokyo mm-hmm. that was really more of a um, variety. But right. a lot of these um, trans women um, clubs and show pubs, it's very underground. They, they okay. never do like... Um, You know, it's not really about se- having, it's not having sex or whatever, but it's just like, it's very underground. You cannot have an access unless you know someone. Right, right. It's all like by invitation only kind exactly, of yeah. world. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. And so why did you decide to leave that and do something else? Is you became involved in the event scene yes. in Tokyo after that, right? Yes. So I, so I, when I was doing that job, I eventually... Um, went on the full-on surgery. I went to Thailand for um, a month with my sister who was with me, who supported me throughout my um, healing. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and I realized, oh, wow, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a complete woman. Right. So why not make a different persona of me that I can be a, in the, not in the community that I am already, like the trans women community, but rather be out there and be seen and that was um doing modeling my modeling right. career and also modeling. doing the mm-hmm. events I, i i was doing that for 10 years never never telling anyone that i was doing this job as a showgirl at the same time i was doing the events and doing modeling career i never shared the other career that i have with these people that i hang out here mm-hmm. i wasn't open about my gender identity because i thought if i'm going to share who really i am then there's probably they're not going to accept me mm-hmm. um i might not get a job for modeling so it was more of i think an approval and an acceptance for that for those communities mm. that i didn't tell and share my gender identity mm. that must have been hard yes it was very hard hiding very, very hard mm-hmm. and hoping they'll like you and accept you Yes. Wondering and, and if you might be found out. Exactly. And that's mm. how I learned to drink alcohol. <laughs> okay. Right. So it numbs me. <laughs> it numbs me to, you know, and it gives me confidence to go mm. out there and be mm-hmm. like, yes, you know, like I'm a woman, you know, whatever they say, like, no, I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I block mm-hmm. all that, all of um, some people, of course, they assume like they, you know, they pro- probably can tell and I never even like like no of course not I'm not you know like I always lied I always tell them I'm a woman mm-hmm. and um it was really hard because lying I mean in the beginning it was really hard but then like when you learn and when you're being numb by the alcohol and then I was also experimenting with drugs mm-hmm. all this numb you and then you became when when you get used to that um cycle every time you lie it becomes just a normal for you right, right. every time mm, okay yeah 
So eventually that that came to a, a point where you decided you don't want to do that anymore. Tell us about what, what happened when you, to transition to where you are now, what you, all the great things you're doing now. <laughs> so after numbing myself from all that, you know, like mm. in that, in that world of modeling career and being in events, all this that looks you know, pretty damn fun from the outside looking in, right? It does. It was does. It, fun? it was fun, but at the same time, because I wasn't really open about myself. Mm-hmm. So it was more of like, how, how would I say it? Like half of it was fun, of course, because it was an experience. You get connected with so many amazing people too. But half of it was like, at the end of the day, you go back home and you feel like, huh, I wish they knew. I wish they, they, they could accept right. me for who I am, right? right. Mm-hmm. So that happens every time until I realized that, until this one realization came to me about the relationships that I've had in the past. Because all these men that I met, of course, is from that, from that world, right? Mm-hmm. They, they knew me not from the show, being a showgirl, being a trans woman. They knew me, they met me through you know, being in the event industry, being a model. Mm. And most of them they didn't know in the beginning. And if they insisted to have a relationship, of course I will tell them. Yeah. And when I had this a few this one last relationship that I had was very um because I thought it was the perfect match for me and all that. And mm-hmm. and then it when I told about myself and he didn't accept it and he was just like gone it broke me right Right. I was heartbroken and that eventually made me um made me realize a lot of things that I what I needed to do and that's how the life coaching came in I was learn I was I was studying and learning a lot of personal development I went to Bali for a month to, to a retreat, to attend a retreat and understanding more about myself. And mm-hmm. that's how the loving myself more, understanding myself more, the acceptance of myself mm-hmm. um, came true. And then I realized I need to share these stories. And I realized I have to accept who I am mm-hmm. in order for me to be free from all, you know, like all those I mean, I didn't regret having all of those experiences because it made me who I am today, but I definitely felt more lighter. I definitely felt more not worried every time or scared whenever I encountered people or whenever I meet new people right. because I'm open. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ne- I never hide myself anymore. I became more vulnerable and um, open about myself. Mm. Yeah. And so you didn't need to use alcohol anymore. I quit alcohol five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. That was, and then I became sober. I was happier. I think I, I would never definitely go back because the hangover first is one of the things <laughs> like I always yeah. struggle. Yeah. yeah. The hangover. Even, yeah. even though, did you know, do you drink, do you drink alcohol? Um, sometimes yes and no. Like I, I like it, but it doesn't agree with me much these days. So yeah, I try to drink less and less actually. Yeah. So you get, you get hangover too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially now that I'm how old I am. So yes. Yeah. Exactly. So the, um, the, do you know that in Japan they have this, um, for hangovers, ukon, 
Ah, oh, yes, the, yes. The, the little gold bottles. Yes. With, <laughs> yes. From the combini. Yes. Exactly. I always had that every day because I know that oh, okay. that, that will help me. Um, I even brought it with me like abroad, like when I go out, go travel, because I know that if I'm going to drink there, they don't have like, you know, they would probably have the, um, what do you call Uko that no drink? Yeah. But they, they have that drink in, in, in other countries that made of um, the cocktail with the tomato. What was that called? I, I forgot the name of that. The Bloody alcohol. Mary? Bloody Mary. <laughs> so the Bloody Mary, <laughs> the Bloody Mary doesn't even help me. So every right. time I have that Uko no Chikara, Oh, like it's so really it relieves me. It helps. Oh, me okay, so much. it did help. That's interesting. <laughs> I've never really found them to be helpful. Not that I'm a, a usual drinker of ukon no chikara, but there you go. There's some information. <laughs> Feeling a little bit, yeah. This the effects of the night before. Okay. Mm. So yeah. So you you got sober, and yeah, you started going down this different path, which is sort of on the way to where you are today. So now you are the host of your own podcast, which is why you sound so wonderful as well. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the Tiffany. Uh, your podcast is called Breakfast with Tiffany. Breakfast Show. with Tiffany. That's right. I said something around <laughs> Breakfast <laughs> with Tiffany. Thank you for finishing my memory. Yeah. Tell us yeah. about that. So um, this podcast started during the pandemic during the realization of what can I do? Because I was in a pre-pandemic, I was working for, I was collaborating. I was in a company in Ginza where they have like all this nice bar and lounge and roof, massive rooftop. And um, they do host events. And that was part of my career for the whole time. So I was working with them. And then also the place was actually built for the um, World Cup. Remember World Cup before 2020? Mm -hmm. I was held in Tokyo, right? And then the Olympics as well. So I was also helping out with the inbound tourism. And I used to work with Airbnb for hosting for a host. I was one of the first hosts to be on Airbnb to be an uh, experienced host. Right. And I was the nightlife expert. (laughs) I was doing Mm -hmm. it for a year for them. And then I realized because... On Airbnb, you don't have a choice. When they book you, you have to set, you have to meet them. Mm. And a lot of them, a lot of the people that I encountered, I've learned a lot from that experience, by the way. But a lot mm. of the people that I met through Airbnb are st- some, I mean, not everyone, but some of them are like just disrespectful of your time. Sure. Some like will put you in trouble. Mm. And back then they didn't have the 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 main um the ba- the base of where you can contact airbnb in case something happens mm-hmm. um, they didn't have an office in tokyo yet mm-hmm. so i would contact them in i think it was in california and then the time difference and it was mm-hmm. just like always you know like I, I was taking care of an it was a nightlife experience so of course it was going to be like alcohol related it's going to be but i already quit alcohol during that time mm-hmm. and i'm going to take care of all these drunk people i'm going to take care of this like foreigners who, you know, who don't know how to exactly. behave Japan, and all, oh I'm terrified for you just listening to it oh my god <laughs> and they're yeah. all foreigners and mm. they, I, I've never even met people from some countries and it was just so crazy that I realized that wow like I, I, I think I can do this but not like in this way and Airbnb didn't really supported me mm. um, in having the access that I gave them to this because I, I was in the nightlife industry for a long time too and I have all this access like especially underground right and, and kudos and credibility that 
was being exactly. used, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Had one credibility that was being used. Yeah. Exactly. And, mm. and that that not being respected by all these guests, mm. I felt like, wow, like my credibility is like gonna be gone if I keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So. I quit Airbnb and I realized I can do it on my own mm-hmm. and I can I can just select people that I want to host. Mm-hmm. Maybe get to know them first before, you know, before I go and meet them and show them around. Yeah. And then it worked. And I was I was having an amazing time. I I hosted a lot of elite travelers, CEOs, and I got to travel also around Japan because of that. And I was doing that for several years before pandemic hit mm. and then all stopped in that, that course, yeah. stopped. and then the event industry stopped mm-hmm. all stopped and then i i was just like what am i gonna do <laughs> right your life just blew up basically right your income streams were turned off yeah yeah oh my and, god and then it came to my realization that i was in bali 2019 that the, mm. the one that i told you i went for mm, a retreat mm. right just before and, the pandemic, yeah. Yes, and happened before the pandemic. Mm. So I'm already starting to transform. I right. know that I'm going to transform, but I didn't know yet what's going to happen. So it was a perfect timing. That was before the pandemic. Mm. And then during the restrictions and not the lockdown, we didn't have a lockdown in Japan. I realized what I can do online because everyone was like starting just to be online. And I realized why don't I share my story on my social media platforms? I have quite a good following on my Instagram and my Facebook, but mm. I never really shared and being vulnerable to the people that, I, that I've been connected with. Mm. So I, the first I thought about YouTube because everyone's like on YouTube. <laughs> I was like, okay, but then like I have to learn how to do YouTube. And I also realized that everyone's on YouTube is going to be competition. Then maybe not now. And maybe I'll think about that in the future. So I, I love listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I realized, why not try doing podcasting? Mm-hmm. And I studied podcasts for a few months before I released Breakfast with Tiffany show. And I really love that through the podcast, you can meet some incredible people. Totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and Hello, learn what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And you also learn new things. Yeah. Being, yeah. Being entertained. Right. And then hearing the guests um, voice helps amplify like the words and literally brings them to life. So podcasting has helped me mm. become a better communicator, mm-hmm. both in speaking and listening. And it also helped me build more confidence and show and allow me to talk to anywhere anyone Mm -hmm. and it also helped me become a good leader wow yeah so now you coach others Uh, who do you coach like who do you help with coaching I wanted to focus on the LGBT community because I think I can resonate with them more Mm -hmm. with my experience Mm -hmm. um with the coaching coaching is not really popular yet right especially here in japan mm-hmm. it's just starting to be known and you know i still everyone every people that i meet if i tell them like i'm a coach and they will be like what coach um a lot of them still don't know so i um or is I think, it more like mentoring you're me- sort of yeah helping 
bring up the next generation of yeah. transgender women who are in mm-hmm. Japan but in, or wherever they might be, you can, mm-hmm. right? Exactly, yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. And um, so for them, it's not really familiar yet. So I, in, in the future, I want to help um, the LGBT community uh, for coaching, if I can. But I also, um, during, I also host retreats. So during my retreat, I coach people who attend my retreat. Mm-hmm. And the last one that I hosted for a retreat, a lot of them are women. Uh, most of them, I, everyone was a woman. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter if they're women or men or if they're LGBT, as long as I can help them and then share them my experiences. And also um, I focus on health and wellness. Mm-hmm. So if anything I can help them with, with health and wellness and also spirit, being spiritual, that has been my journey during my transformation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we were, you said your last retreat. Where, what happened at the last retreat? Where was it? Oh, so last retreat was last January. I think we did it like end of January or first week of February. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more of like detoxing. We did, a, <laughs> we did a weekend detox. Mm. That's why probably there's a lot of, um, everyone was women because when you say detox, <laughs> right? We right. want to detox, yes. Let's detox exactly. together. Yeah. Is it less painful to detox in a group? Like in that sort of, is it more fun potentially to detox think, together? I, so this is the first time I did detox retreat. And mm. I think it was more fun and more motivating because mm. everyone is in the same everyone has to be on the same page and everyone is motivating each each and everyone right so right. um i think doing a a detox by yourself can be also challenging because if you're doing on your own and you'd be like oh i'm, I'm gonna be fine like then you're mm. you're not be able to do it right but mm. then if you have this community of other people who's really um motivated and supporting you through it yeah. yes exactly yeah. so mm-hmm. that's actually how i realized like oh that this this works like having a detox and then you know we didn't eat food but we were having just juice you know it's all about juice cleansing but we all had an amazing um time together mm. yeah and where did you go we went on a fasting hotel this fasting hotel was just recently opened in chiba this year Oh, no, no, last year. They opened last mm. year, late last year. But they officially, like, really opened, mm. like, from January. So it a was fasting quite hotel. new. Mm. Yes, it was quite mm. new. And it was a really nice, um, very neat and clean hotel. It was perfect for the retreat because they have they have the juice, um, the detox, you know, because I just have to make a team of detox and then, you know, Everything yeah. is there. They have all they the provide it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they provide everything and they have nice, nice rooms and the location for um they had a nice patio. They have they even have sauna, like an onsen. Mm-hmm. They can also go. So it was really a nice location for, for especially for detox, because detox is very important to have your own space. I did uh, several retreats before that. And it was more of like sharing space, like sure. in a one house in the middle mm-hmm. of a mountain, nowhere mm-hmm. that you are just going to be, it's, it wasn't Shimoda. It was going to be, um, and you were surrounded by nature. It was really nice, but it was just a massive one house that you have to share 
um, sure. the space with everyone in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then it's, it mm. was really challenging because it was during COVID. Right. So a lot of people are not comfortable to be, mm. you know, be that close to each other. So, but mm-hmm. then, but then there, there were people who attended. So I'm really mm. um, like lucky and I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Well, that sounds really exciting. The, the juice cleanse together at a hotel. Like there's no way I'd want to do that in my own home with my family around me who are like munching right? away on potato <laughs> chips or like, you know, oh, mommy, would you like a bite of my ice cream? You know, the mummy tax is what we call it. <laughs> Everyone has to give me a bite of their ice cream. I don't want my own ice cream, but I will have a bite of your ice cream kind of thing. Um, yeah, like go and has had spend time with new friends mm-hmm. and feel better at the end of the weekend. Maybe you have a few tough moments while you're cleansing and all that, but you can distract yourself with various things and people and and do things together. Yeah, that sounds great. I hope that you were going to put together another one of these soon. I, people I, can I attend. Yeah, cheap is <laughs> very accessible for a lot of people, right? It's easy to get mm. to yes, all of yeah. that as well. Mm. Yeah. Or, I, I, also, I, mm. I really think that location is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that the last, that last retreat, a few of them were actually um, moms. So it yeah. was an escape for them for, totally. for, you know, for a weekend too. Like what mm. you said, like it was... Um, they can't do it on their own because they have families and you know it's going to be difficult for them a hundred like, times more painful yes yes yeah, yes, right. yes yes yeah great so um yeah check out tiffany's where to see when the next one of these is happening or to where should people go to find out more about this is that your website oh, yes thank you so much for uh saying that jane um i have my own website tiffanyrossdale.com where i have my programs and my coaching mm. i also have the retreats when we host the retreats we we also post it there and soon we will start also the newsletter so if they can mm. sign up we can update yeah. them about the the things going on me and also the podcast is also there in my youtube channel mm-hmm. yeah if you'd like to hear more from tiffany listen to her breakfast with tiffany podcast and get on that list so you hear about the next uh, juice retreat or what is it detox retreat that's what it's about juice yes. retreat. i'm just thinking about the food yeah <laughs> that's what i lo- also love again that's another thing i love about podcasts you can share everything on podcasts like you know i also share the experiences in the retreats that i hosted mm-hmm. so everything is there like it's like my blog you know like you share yeah, all the yeah, stories yeah. On, but you don't my... have to sit down and read it all you can just take yeah. tiffany with you on your morning walk or whatever <laughs> and hang out with tiffany and hear all about it yeah that's really really awesome exactly. so i would like to ask you for one um one thing perhaps that our listeners can think about to take away from uh our talk today something you'd like to share with them it could be a piece of wisdom it could be like a coaching question they could ask themselves you have something like that that you could share that just just give them something to think about or mull over after this episode like a a saying it could be a saying or kutawaza or mm. um, I, I actually I love reading books I, mm-hmm. I love reading books especially if it's personal development mm. um, recently I'm, I'm reading uh, Brene Brown's book I forgot the title but yeah like I was still reading it and I just finished reading um, Eckhart Tolle um, A New Earth like I A love New Eckhart Earth Tolle. I haven't read that one I've read the other, the other, the other one you've read the other one right mm. yeah yeah I've read the other one yeah so maybe I, yeah. yes, yeah. maybe I want to share one, um, one, one thing that 
uh, yeah, yeah. Holy, like shared yeah, in his book. Yeah. So he said like how you react to people and situations, especially when challenges arise, is the best indicator of how deeply you know yourself. Mm-hmm. Isn't that powerful? <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Right. Let's <laughs> think about that for a moment. Yeah. Because that's all up it's all on you right how you react to people yes. and situations yeah. and we've had a few situations pop up as we we're recording this just a few days ago um what's happened in america with mm. um abortion rights being taken away roe v wade being overturned all of this i i don't live in america but i've been finding feeling so upset and angry about this just mm. in general mm. um it's like well hang on a minute what is your business is how you react to this. So yes, you can be upset and angry, but don't let it derail your daily life that you still have to do. Right. So um, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about in the last couple of days is really noticing um, because every time you go onto social media or you look at the news, that is what the news of my news is telling me. So, um, or my algorithms <laughs> are telling me a lot about this. So it's been like a, this huge tidal wave of anger and, and, and rightfully so, but yeah, how are you going to react to that? Are you going to let it beat you down? Mm. Um, put you off your exercise scheme or, you know, like stop doing things, your self-care because you're so angry about this or whatever. So yeah. Mm, good thing. Well done choosing that one. That's a great, <laughs> very timely one. I think we need to, can you say that for us again? Just re- so refresh how, our memories. Yeah. Sure. So how you react to people and situations, especially when challenges arise hmm. is the best indicator of how deeply, you know, yourself. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for coming on the show today. It's been wonderful to spend this time with you, get to know you better. And I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you so much, Jane. This has been so much fun. And, and, and again, it's been an honor to be on your show. And I can't wait to hear more amazing stories that you are highlighting on your show.